I got it back down and I got my napkin, which is like a curtain, you know, I mean, it's like, what is this going to do? I sit down and God did a miracle. It all came off his suit and tie. And I, I, I was mortified. I left. I just like had to leave the whole night. I was like, I'm going home. I just, I'm, I'm in PTSD. I don't know what just happened. So I'm going to send him a few hundred bucks for a dry cleaning bill. But uh, we made it through that. So I hope your Christmas went well. Uh, mine was adventurous. And, um, but way before several Christmas specials, if you'll remember where we were in First and Second Samuel, we were in chapter 15, and we've been tracing the gradual decay of King Saul. If you remember that, he was outwardly killing it. He was successful. He was exactly what they wanted in a king, a king like all the other nations had, and he was winning their battles. He was killing it. But what the author keeps showing us is, but inwardly was spiritual rotting, spiritual decay. He got away from God's word, and though outwardly he still was enjoying a lot of God's grace and blessings, inwardly he was rotting. He was getting away with sin. And that's one of the scariest places to be in life, is to be away from God's word, really not following the Lord, disobeying the Lord, yet outwardly everything still seems to be going great. And it's like, I'm getting away with it. And we get comfortable with that. And so it was a really scary situation, outward worldly success, but inward spiritual decay. And so God finally said, enough is enough. At the end of chapter 15 and verse 23, Samuel, the word of God returns back into the scene And he says to Saul, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Your days are numbered as king, in other words. Now, we'll see in the days ahead and the chapters ahead, he still remains king for a while. But it's already been declared, you're done. Your world is about to come crashing down. And so we see it takes a while, but that's what the days ahead will hold. So Saul is done because of his disobedience. He rejected the word, and as he rejected the word, his, the fruit of that was a life of disobedience. And we saw just example after example of, of, of selective obedience, of partial obedience, of, of taking the parts that were beneficial to him. I'm going to devote everything to the Lord except for all the good stuff. And so what we see is for a king to be faithful, the kind of king that God's looking for, the kind of ruler that God wants, the kind of leader God wants for his people, the kind of people that God's want is one who is after God's heart. One who says, my whole life is just one job, obey the Lord. It's not complicated. It's not always easy, but it's not complicated. The job description is Obey the Lord. The king must be a man after God's own heart if he's going to lead the people to be a people after God's heart. So Saul is rejected. And today we get to chapter 16. And in this text, we're going to see God sends Samuel to anoint a new king, a king that God chose. God provides his own king. And that's the point of the text. It's stated very clearly, as we will see, God says, I will provide for myself the king the people need. Lord, we know that you have provided for yourself the king that we need. His name is Jesus. And yesterday, this, this whole culture, this whole society, for the most part, stopped and, and declared the birth of Jesus. Declare him again to us this morning that we may anoint him as our king. Allow 
him to transform our hearts for the year 2022, that we may submit to King Jesus and be a people that are after his heart. May we worship the king that you have provided for us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, let's pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1, and see God provides a king for himself. It says, the Lord said to Samuel, remember Samuel is the prophet, the word of God to the people of God. And he said to Samuel, how long are you going to grieve over Saul? Come on, man, let's go. Let's move on. Since I have rejected him from being king over Israel, now fill your horn with oil and go. This is an anointing horn. He will anoint the king with oil. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite. God says, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. So the first thing we need to notice in this is how gracious God is. I mean, he already warned the people when they said, give us a king like the other nations. We want king that's strong and powerful and someone that we can trust in. And he says, no, that's rejection of me as your king. And if you make him your king, it's going to go bad. And they're like, we don't care. We want him as king. He says, okay. And he graciously uses King Saul, though he's not the king they need. He's only the king they want. He graciously uses King Saul to fight off enemies. But he said, I told you so. This is not going to go well. And at that point, when all's not going well, and he says, you're done, King Saul, you've rejected me, he could have said, I'm washing my hands of you. But he doesn't. He says, I'm still going to work for your good. So let's not miss this point and all this journey to seeing God provides Jesus, ultimately what this is about. But there's so much under here. God is so gracious to keep providing for our good despite our poor choices, our sin, our rejection, our rebellion against him. Repeatedly, we do the same thing we see Israel doing. But God says, I'm still going to provide you a king because I'm gracious, the Lord says. Israel does not deserve this good king, but God graciously says, I'm going to give you a good king anyway. I'm going to provide him for you. Now, understandably, as Samuel is told, go anoint a new king, he's hesitant because he knows I'm about to anoint a king against a standing king, a very powerful military king. And so he's hesitant. Verse 2, it says, and Samuel said, now, how can I go, Lord? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And so he's, he knows he's going to face resistance in this journey to honor and set apart and anoint God's true king because there are all sorts of powerful authorities trying to set up their own power structure as the, the king, a competing king. And we need to remember this. If we are going to worship King Jesus the one that God has declared, there will always be resistance. There will always be other human authorities and institutions and individuals and even things in our own heart that want to rise up and say, no, I want, to be a, different, I want a different king and I'm going to resist everything in, in my power to keep you from worshiping the one true king. And so as we face the year 2022, we need to remember this. If we're going to make Jesus the one true king of our lives, if we're going to make him the one true ruler of this church, there will be resistance. It will take courage. It will take 
commitment. It will take dependence on the Lord himself. And so continuing in verse 2, we see the Lord does provide a way for Samuel to establish the one true king. In verse 2, the second part, it says, And the Lord said, Well, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I'll show you what you shall do. Now notice, as you're going to see throughout the rest of these verses, the Lord doesn't tell. This is unusual for the text. Usually Samuel is almost all-knowing. Samuel knows. Well, in this case, it's like the Lord saying, no, I just, I'm just going to give you just enough revelation, just a little bit at a time. I'm in control. I'm the sovereign. I've already chosen the king. I've already got this. This is, this is God is in control, and Samuel is just given a little bit of light to say, just walk in the light that I give you one step at a time, and I'll show you what to do, he says. And that's the way the Lord works. As we want to make Christ our king this year, as we want to make him reign and rule over this church and over your family and over your life, it's just going to look like this. It's not going to be this grand, I have all the answers and I laid it out there and here it is. It's going to look like this. One step of obedience at a time. If we're going to start planting churches and helping churches that are struggling become healthy churches to spread the glory of God for the good of Shreveport, you're not going to hear from us say, we got it all figured out already. You're going to hear us say, hey, be in prayer with us and let's figure this out one step at a time. And there's going to be times where you feel like, I wish I had a little more clarity. And I'd say, yeah, so do we. But one step at a time, sharing as much as we can, as much as we know, as early as we can, it's going to be, let's just obey the next step that God has given us. And if he pumps the brakes, we'll pump the brakes. And if he pumps the gas, we're going to go. And that's kind of where we are right now. Like, oh, I think the Lord's telling us to move forward. We're seeing some things falling in place and we'll keep you updated as much as we can. But it's going to be one step at a time. And it's the same thing with your life. As you say, Lord, what do you have for me this year? Got an exciting new year. I love the new year. I love the the vision for what does the Lord have for us? And it's God's got a great plan. And just like we see, there's all this stuff going on at the individual level. But overall, there's this great plan that God is carrying out that leads to Jesus. And God's people are just called to simply trust and obey what he has told you today. That's a good rhyme. And that wasn't even planned. Hey, Grangers, can y'all write a song for that? Trust and obey what he has shown you today, and everything will fall into place. You will have the reign and rule of Jesus over you. And notice the roles that are in place. God says, I want you to anoint for me the one whom I declare will be king. God has already decided, God has a great plan. God has a king that is chosen for them, and he's a good king. He's a better king than the one they chose for themselves. He says, you just go and anoint, set apart, consecrate, recognize the king that God says that king God declares. And so notice the roles. God has the great plan, and the people are submitting to and recognizing and following his plan. So how did Samuel do? Verse 4, Samuel did what the Lord commanded. So that's a good start. He came to Bethlehem. What a great time to hear that as we just celebrated Christmas. The king that God declared was born in Bethlehem. You have Samuel going to Bethlehem to find God's king. 
Samuel gets to Bethlehem, and the elders of the city came to meet him, and they were trembling, and they said, do you come peaceably? And at first when I read that, I was like, what's up with that? And I think it's remember what he did to King Agag. It says that he cut him to pieces as the Lord had required of him. And so those people are like, whoa, why is he here? And he said, I've come peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves. Set yourself apart. Prepare for worship is what that's like. Prepare for worship. There was a ceremonial cleansing. Come to me to sacrifice, and he consecrated Jesse. This is the third time Jesse's family is mentioned. So this king is going to come from the line of Jesse. Jesse, he says, consecrated Jesse and his sons, and he invited them to the sacrifice. So now we know the chosen king that God chose is from the line of Jesse. And so we had the elders, we had Jesse made sure they're all ready for this, this anointing of the king. So the firstborn son would naturally be the choice. The oldest of Jesse's son would be the one that would be made king according to the cultural customs to do what the world would do, to do what was normal, to do what made perfect sense, to do what was reasonable, to do what required no faith. Just find Jesse, get the oldest son, show him, show him to me, and we'll make him king. That's obviously what God's going to do because that makes sense, right? Verse 6. But when they came, he looked, and he looked on Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. This must be the one. He's the firstborn. And apparently he was tall and good looking, just like my staff. He's tall and good looking. That's who you want to lead your people. It's a logical choice. It's the cultural norm. It's the thing that requires no faith. It's the thing that's comfortable. It's the thing that I can put on a chart. It's the thing that when people ask me, what are we doing? I can say, duh, it makes sense. This is what we're doing. So he must be the choice, right? Wrong. Verse 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature. I have rejected him. He ain't the one. Did you not learn from Saul? Saul's very name meant the one that you requested. You wanted a king like all the other nations had. You wanted the logical choice. You wanted someone who didn't require faith in God. You wanted someone that would put, you could put your faith in them as a human leader. And it did not go well because that was tantamount to rejecting God as your king. And what in the world do they see? Again, even Samuel seems to have this tendency to do it as well. And God says, no, he graciously says, no, I'm not going to let you make that same mistake again. I'm going to tell you which king to anoint. And he says, for the reason, for the Lord sees, this is key verse, the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on what? Man looks on what? But the Lord looks on what? The heart. Boy, isn't that the truth? Now, obviously, only God can see the heart. And that's what God says is the most important thing is the heart. Now, we can see fruit that comes out of the heart, which is like the root of a tree. What comes out of the man's mouth reveals the heart, the Bible says. And the actions reveal the heart. So the Lord says what's most important is the heart. That's what you should be looking for in a king. That's what you should be looking for in leaders of your church, in leaders of your community groups, in leaders of homes, in your own life. 
What is God wanting in a heart? The primary characteristic the Lord requires of his king, of his leaders, of his people, is a heart of faith. A heart of faith. And, and that word can take a lot of different angles of meaning. It's not just, it's not simply having right knowledge of believing the right things. It's not less than that. But it's, it's a believing, it's a knowledge, it's a knowing the truth of God so much so that it is a dependence upon, a submission to, it's trust. It's trust. The Lord is looking for people and leaders who trust in him. And not just in themselves, not just a self-reliance. When they puff themselves up and exalt themselves over the people and say, follow me, I've got all the answers. It's a, peep, it's a leader who says, the Lord is the king. Follow him. He has the answers. He has the light. He has the direction. He has the truth. He has the wisdom. And it's a leader who humbles himself, a leader who humbles herself and says, we need to trust the Lord and obey the Lord, whatever he tells us. That's all the Lord requires of you and me, is to let him be king. He's not looking for you to be king. It might be newsflash to us. He's not looking for us to be his king. He's looking for us to be his subjects, who submit to him and his king, King Jesus. Again, that's, that's our calling. Whether it's you in your personal life, as you think about what the Lord has for you for 2022, or whether it's us as a church and we're thinking about the directional leadership of our vision to spread the glory of God for the good of Shreveport and beyond, we have more questions than we have answers. But we constantly should be seeking, Lord, what do you have for us? What is the next step of obedience? What does that look like? How do we do that? And that's what we should be saying is the Lord is more concerned about hearts that have that attitude, that posture, not so much a posture of arrogance and pride, and I have all the answers, but one of dependence and submission, but trust that the Lord is good. The Lord is sovereign. The Lord is faithful, and he is going to lead us and direct us. And so we get to verse 8, and it's not the firstborn. So who is it? So who is next? In verse 8, then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said... Nope, the Lord hadn't chosen this one either. Okay, and then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And so Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, what? The Lord has not chosen these. Do you see what the most important thing that Samuel is looking for it's the Lord's will, the Lord's choice. What has God chosen to be best? Who has God seen to be fit to lead the people? Not what makes sense, not what's rational, not what you know, fits in the past. It's just, I just need to see that this is what the Lord wants. Is that your heart for 2022? Lord, what do you want? I got job A, I got job B. Are we just making rational decisions or are we saying, Lord, what do you want? Because I know that is the best place in the world to be, even if it doesn't make total sense. 
God doesn't usually work against our logic and reason and brains and, and skills and, and wisdom of, of others. It typically is, we understand the Lord's will through all of that, but it is all undergirded by this idea that if the Lord is in it, then that's success. That's what I want. And Samuel is a quick study. He knows the only thing that really matters is that they have the king that God has chosen. He's learned from Saul, and that's what we need is the king God has chosen and no other king. Life only works when you're worshiping the right king. His name is Jesus. So Samuel knows God has chosen the king. Samuel knows that that is a son of Jesse. And Samuel concludes, well, if none of these sons are the king... And these are your sons. You got any more sons? And that's where he goes. Verse 11, then Samuel said to Jesse, are, are all your sons here? And Jesse's like, well, I mean, there is this one other dude. You don't want him. That's not what you want your dad saying about you, right? He's like, yeah, we got him out with the sheep. There remains yet the youngest. Hey, wait a minute, I'm the youngest Something's not right here. He says, there remains here the youngest, but behold, he's out there keeping the sheep. Now, we don't fully grasp that, that that's not a compliment. That was, that's kind of like in soccer. Oh, I better not say that example. Some of you might play that position. There's a certain position that you place a certain player who's not your strongest player. You hide them in that spot. Well, there is a place in, in this culture, you hide them in the shepherd's field. That is not where you put your best kids. And so he says, behold, he's out there keeping sheep. He's not impressive. In fact, we're going to see he's actually the runt of the litter. He's shepherding for a reason. And Samuel said to Jesse, well, send and get him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. That is a beautiful phrase, that we will not sit down until, I don't care how long it takes, I will not give up until I have the Lord's choice, until I am in the Lord's place. There's a sense of determination, of obedience that you see in Samuel as he is determined to obey the Lord, even though he's not really clear how or what, what's going on. I just know if there's another, it must be that one. I don't know. Go get him and let's see. We're not going to sit down until this is settled. In verse 12, and he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, which that might mean he was tan or had red, kind of like Esau uh, was described in a similar manner. He had beautiful eyes, or it could be that he was appealing to the eyes and he was handsome, which is like, wait, what? This is not what you're supposed to be looking for. But the idea is he's the runt. He's the smallest. He's the runt. He's not as impressive. He's been out in the fields. And the Lord says, arise, anoint him for this is my choice. This is he. Isn't that just like the Lord? To take the exact least qualified, the one that you would say is not the one that I want to follow, is not the one that really brings out the confidence in me that says, okay, now I can. No, the Lord says, you're going to rely on me. The good looking runt of the litter is going to be your king. Then in verse 13, it says that Samuel took the horn of oil and he anointed him in the midst of his brothers. 
And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. We just read in the previous chapters that the spirit of the Lord left Saul. The spirit of the Lord rushed upon David and never left from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Notice the key qualifications of God's king. He was the man that God chose. Not a man that the world thought would be the king, but the man that God chose. He was the man who had a heart of faith, a heart of trust, a heart that was after God's heart. And he was a man filled with the spirit of God. Those are the only qualifications that matter. God, another way, we like to say it this way, God's hand was on him. God's person for the job. So God graciously provided Israel a king, King David, despite their past rebellion, despite their sin, despite their continuing stiff-arming the Lord, saying, no, we got this. We don't want to depend on an invisible God that we can't see. We got a better plan. Despite all of that, God chose a king, an unlikely king, a counter-king to their expectations, a king that they revealed through, that God revealed to them through his word. So God's chosen king is revealed through the prophet. It's a king that's not what you would expect. And the people were called to do one thing, submit to him. And that's exactly the situation we find ourselves in the day, the day after Christmas. God chose a king for us, King Jesus, an unlikely king, a king that you wouldn't expect. A suffering servant came to die on a cross, but it was prophesied. He, he revealed that he was a king. He revealed our way to him through the prophets. Isaiah 53, we read on Christmas service that son of, son of David, the son of Abraham, the, the old, old Testament, the entire Hebrew scriptures points to him and is just a gorgeous portrait of him saying, trust in him. Matthew 1, 1 says, he's here, the son of David, the son of Abraham, the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the long-awaited one. He's here. He's fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah who said he'd be born of a virgin. He's here. He's here. God chose him. The only question is, will you anoint him king in your heart? Will you bow down to this king? Will you make him your ruler? Will you say, this, Lord, this year in 2022, it's, it's going to be different. I'm going to let you be king. I'm going to give you the reign and rule in my heart. As we seek to do that this year, we're going to need to remember these four key truths about the character of God as we see in this text. Number one, God is gracious. God is so gracious. In Jesus Christ, in 2022, you get do-overs. You get, let's try that again. You get, well, that didn't go so well, but I still have a good king for you. In Christ, you receive all the grace of God. You get fresh starts. We also see that this year in 2022 that God is wise. God is wise. His ways are not our ways. He's not going to have the plan that makes total sense to you, but a heart that seeks after God's heart says, but I assume it's better. 
I assume your way is better, even though I don't fully understand it. I assume that it's going to be like King David, who was way better than King Saul, even though he was the runt of the litter out in the pasture. But God's ways are not our ways. It's going to require faith. As you say, Lord, what do you have for me this year? What do you have for me to serve you this year? How can I spread your glory for the good of others? It's going to come a little step at a time, a little light at a time, like a flashlight in a dark room where all you can do is just say, okay, all right. But you've got to trust that God is wise. And that's going to require prayerful time in the word with discernment. Lord, what would you have for us at this season? What would you have in the Spirit of God directing and leading? And it's a messy process. It's more filled with questions than answers because he wants you to trust him. And as you're asking God, what, is up? what are you up to? Where are you leading? What church are you wanting us to help and to join arms with? What, what job are you wanting? And what, what do you have next for my kids, Lord? Remember that God is gracious, God is wise, and God is sovereign. And he just says simple step-by-step obedience is all that you need to do. Just trust him, and it will oftentimes lead to unexpected areas and unexpected ways. But then finally, God is good. God is good. All we see over and over in the scriptures is how good God is and how he wants to richly bless his people, how he's recreating, he's rebirthing, he's renewing, he's building, he's saving, he's restoring, he's the light in the darkness. I don't know your view of God, but if it's not that, read your Bible. He is so good, and that's what Christmas, that's what Jesus is all about. Is salvation and hope and glory and light and hope and filling your life with all of his goodness for you. God is good. Remember this this year as you make this year all about King Jesus. God is gracious. God is wise. God is sovereign. And God is good. Join me in prayer. Lord Jesus, you are the chosen king. God chose to make you king. And God made it clear through his word. Would you grant everyone in this room a heart of repentance and faith that we may bow down to King Jesus? Lord, would you make the year 2022 a banner year for your glory in us? Would you make us a people who truly seek after your heart? Help us to spread your glory for the good of our family to spread your glory for the good of Shreveport and even beyond, Lord, as you lead. Lord, would you help us to discern your leading? Would you help us to trust you and to obey you one step at a time? For you are gracious. You are wise. You are sovereign. And you are infinitely good. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.